This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by the ghost of Hall, whose words are, bespeak my endless wrath. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into chapter 44, Sansa 3 of A Game of Thrones. And in Fire and Blood we are discussing the year of the three brides. Yeah. So, Sir Ezra, how we how we doing today? Uh, doing alright. Uh, I, I have kind of delayed our, our recording process because I've been... Uh, Hunting for appliances uh, for my house, and uh, I just had the most ridiculous two-hour uh, escapade of of y- my life. Probably um, going to get this washer and dryer out of this house, and way more difficult than it should have been. You know, we almost had to like you know cut a wall out of the, like you know to get the thing out. I don't know if they built the house around the washer and dryer or <laughs> how you were supposed to get it out, but it was. Uh, ridiculous, and then my brother-in-law like slices his hand open on the washer. There's blood all down the side, you know. So it's just it's been a little crazy. It's, I'm actually wow. a little like uh, amped up here. I was I'm, I'm like sprinting upstairs trying to get ready for the show, and just like, how, why does this happen? You know, Sir Matt, why can't life just be a little easier? You know, hey, good good question. <laughs> okay, good question. Jamie. But anyways, uh, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, man. You know, um, uh, so much uh, is going on with me right now. I got to drive up to Seattle tomorrow for kind of an interview thing nice. going on. So, yeah, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, just a lot going on. Um, yeah. Not a lot going on in the world of a Game of Thrones, unfortunately. <laughs> there is uh, there is quite a bit going on Um uh, in in but the bend the knee scene, um, Sir Ezra, I believe uh, our first Raven's Nest is next week. Yeah, yes, It'll be next Sunday. Yeah, um, and we've worked next, on a time next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday we are going to do six p.m. Eastern, three p.m. Pacific time. Uh, everyone else, uh, you're going to have to do some calculations on that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So for those of you who are in that that patron tier, go ahead and jump in on the Discord server. Um, and join Sir Ezra and I as we record our first Raven's Nest, which is pretty much follow up Friday with the community, right? Is uh, is essentially how how it's going to work. So, um, looking forward to that. We've got a lot of Ravens saved up for that. I don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, come hang out with us on on Discord. And we'll, you know, for those uh, there's some people who are in the tier that can jump in and be heard on 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 the podcast, and other people can kind of comment, and some people can yeah. read the read the theories as, as we post them and you can listen to us live. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be kind of a live show. Um, and then we're going to, obviously we're going to record it, the whole thing, and then we'll post it on the main feed of the podcast as well. So, right. It's going to be a wild ride though. It's our first time doing it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to kind of see how it goes. And it might be a lot of uh, this first time. I honestly think, you know, meeting and talking to some of our patrons might just be sort of, you know, some of that we might just get to know them for a little bit absolutely uh and we might do you know we might edit some of that out in post-production so that's the benefit to coming and listening to all the behind the scenes listening to it live 
and and what have you there. And also, anyone who is a speaker uh, who's going to be speaking with us and and can log in at that time, uh, try to get on a little early, and we'll we'll test you know microphone connections or uh, right you know various things. And if we have to, you know, we can um, always we have like a a, um, a number that you guys can call, and we can we can answer that and right and and do it that way too. So, but should be fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna. Try it out and 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 kind of kind of see what happens. Um, Sreja and I have been working on that a lot um, behind the scenes. Um, also, I've been rewatching the main the main show, getting ready getting ready for the the season because the season is is soon is is coming soon. Sorry, Ezra. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's uh, really exciting. What, what do we think? Less than a month, and we'll have a, a solid trailer, maybe or around around a month. Oh, I would imagine I would ima- I'm guessing Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. is is my guess for that first that first trailer. So, if I if I had to really kind of guess and say, I think I think that would be, be what would make the most sense and so that's probably what like February, usually the worst the first weekend in February. Yeah. is um Super Bowl Sunday, so. Yeah, that'll be that'll be neat. So, we'll do um on our YouTube there maybe like a trailer reaction and start speculating. We might even have to do like are we going to do like a a standalone podcast for that, you know, maybe just to talk about. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, depends. Depends okay. on who 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 finds themselves in the Super Bowl. If it's a if it's a good <laughs> if it's a good game or not, you know. I got you. <laughs> if, gotcha. if it's kind of a if it's kind of a blowout, maybe we'll spend a little more time than just a quick little. I mean, we'll certainly do a reaction to it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, we'll certainly we'll certainly do a, a reaction. I don't know how long how long it'll be. It depends on what the trailer is. If it's you know freaking amazing, that's true. Or yeah, it could just know. be like another like a- if it if if it happens to be the um you know Dallas Cowboys and New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Well, then yep. I'd rather I'd rather spend time talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh gosh, it's awesome. So you know. But if it, you know, if it happens to be maybe the uh, Chicago, you know, Bears or the, you know, the Chicago Mormonts, you know, playing playing somebody or yeah, maybe, maybe playing maybe playing the uh, Indianapolis, you know, Colts or something like that. Well, I'm that might be a fun game. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one more thing before I know you have something kind of funny you want to bring up or something news wise and newsworthy uh, you wanted to talk about. But in our Facebook group right now, um, you've got uh, Rebecca in there, the uh, Bannerman. Um, one of our bannermen, uh, no one, you know, uh, who mm-hmm. is in there, uh, posting quite a bit. Jason Ross, uh, let's see who else has been in here quite a bit. Liam, uh, has been in mm-hmm. here and there's, yeah, there's I mean, been a lot of new people in the group and a lot of people posting a lot more. And so it's yeah. good. So, uh, Sir Gibbs is in here and, and they're, they're, I mean, they're deep. There's like long responses. So if you're looking for another place to like actually read, um, you know some some theories or just uh, you know different uh, musings on Game of Thrones, uh, the the series of, of so- uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, definitely go check that out because it's it's pretty neat. I've been in here just reading before we started the show and I'm loving it, loving the discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Sir Ezra. Uh, the last time Gur posted on Not a Blog was December nineteenth. Wow. So wow. typically Gurr is pretty active, posts about once a week, if not once every other week. He hasn't posted in a while, so that begs the question, is winter finally coming? Do you think he's using this time to really sit down and hammer out the book? Or <laughs> has he got something else going on? Or Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. How are the Jets? Are the Jets even in the playoff? What's going on? I, no. Okay, cool. No, they so. fi- they fired their they fired the Giants are done too. They they the oh, Jets okay. fired their head co- head head coach Todd Bowles. They're looking for somebody new, so Gotcha. So I'm trying to imagine what he is up to. 
Uh, is he still doing anything like a book tour with Fire and Blood, or what is that done? Or I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I, you know, he's on Twitter. I, I, haven't, I haven't really, I haven't, I haven't checked him out on Twitter. He's on I mean, Twitter? I, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Gur's on Twitter. I, I follow I follow him on Twitter. Let me check him out here. Uh, yeah, there yeah, he is. There he is. Wow. Huh. Yeah, he is. He, has, he hasn't been super active on, on Twitter. I mean, he, yeah, he's, you know, he's posted about the New York Jets, but, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, man. That's, that's, that's really about it. So, um, you know, it's it's going on anyway. So I thought I would share this. This is uh, one of the top. Th- you know, I, I I'm big on the uh, Song of Ice and Fire Reddit. I like to go there, read theories, read what everyone's talking about. Absolutely. So the the top uh, thread today, and this should tell you just how depraved we are. You know, of Game of Thrones or uh, books, which qu- character sweats the most? And then this guy has it broken down. You know, you can use the search of a Song of Ice and Fire wiki, and he. He he shows no. the amount of times that it references a character and how often they sweat. So wow, you know, there's the, over 130 uh, mentions of characters sweating in, <laughs> in in the books. Does he does he actually calculate like who is it like are they? Trying, oh, he does. Oh, does he? Okay. Oh, he yeah he has he has the top ten written down. What? You know? so, so yeah. So do you want? So should we go through here? The Absolutely. Top 10 That's sweating, what we've come sweating. to. Then yeah. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's a thirteen. Okay, so actually he has he has the top thirteen here. Okay. So um, and then he goes on to break it down even further. Like, are they like cold sweats? Are they like sweating in their dreams? Oh are they like? Is it like a, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. Um. So I'm just gonna. Uh. I'm just gonna. Some of these guys are they're tied at like three and four. So you got like Quentin Martell, Eddard Stark, Jorah Mormont at three. Um, Brienne of Tarth, Gendry, Theon at four, Arya at five, Daenerys at Daenerys and Tyrion at nine, and Jon Snow at number one at ten. He is the character who who sweats the most or is mentioned sweating. Wow, the most. Yeah, I just found the thread. That is hilarious, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Perspiration, also known as sweating. He's got like the definition here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. It's. I mean, he goes on. He goes on to kind of to flesh it out and talk and talk about. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. You know. I mean. Well, there's not sweating, right? So the characters who right. who never sweat and how much can we learn from them? Why are they not sweating? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, down here he t- he says, you know, Daenerys, uh, da- Daenerys's various moments sweating could also be a hint towards the Red Door theory. I mean, we're talking some deep <laughs> rabbit holes here that that we're going into. Oh. Says she's almost described uh, sweating because of warm the warm climate of Essos. If I'm not mistaken, Bravos is also warm. So why would she be sweating so much if she was indeed raised in Bravos? It could be a hint at her being raised somewhere in Westeros and her body not being used to the warm climate. Yeah, the fact that Gur made John and Danny sweat almost as uh, as much also leads us. More in that R plus L <laughs> equals J direction. Oh. Wow. Oh, my so, God. So we're talking some deep rabbit holes here. I'm giving this guy a uh, an upvote here on, on Reddit. I'm, oh. I'm a Reddit guy. It, so like, like, hey. And then and then yeah. and then the the top rated comment. Yeah. Uh, so first, first of all, let me give let me give some credit here. Who Who is the guy that wrote this? Uh, his his Twitter or his Reddit name is uh, is cancer, bro. Uh, and and the top rated comment is um, tactical uh, tactical five fifty six. He says, "George, please, they're talking about sweat." 
You know, like, yeah. so I just, I, I thought this was funny. Uh, like, that's what we've come to. That's where you we're know, at. That's, 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 that's where we're at. So, my gosh, Dude, okay, some of these quotes here, you know, Clash of Kings, John 8, despite the I mean, chilling hey, air, yeah. sweat stung his eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, you know, and this is, this is one of the cool things. If you guys haven't checked out the A Search of Ice and Fire, it's super cool. Yeah. Um, it, you can type in, like, anything, and then you can search all of the things, all of the books and novellas, and it will kind of bring up specific quotes. Um, and a lot of people do this stuff on Reddit, and they will search. Um, like, one of the ones I found super interesting, I have the, a link saved to it somewhere. Um, I think in my email. Um, somebody broke down the number of times that sapphires are mentioned and the number of times that Arbor Gold is mentioned, which is a, it's mm-hmm. like a, a drink. Yeah. Um, and there's a parallel between the two. And it's like every time that sapphires or rubies or some sort of gemstone is is referenced later in that chapter, there will be some sort of a reveal. Right. Yeah. Um, and any time that Arbor Gold is mentioned, it will some t- there in that chapter there will be um like a lie, like there's a big lie or something. Gotcha. So so it's just kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. Like you really break down this like um the, the what the Gers you know the, the sleight of hand yeah. all of this stuff because he is he is it, it, the 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 problem is is that. Gurr's writing is that way, right? Like every single line, every single word matters. Yeah, yeah. In 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 some in some way or another, and there's far too many connections for things like that for there not to be some sort of bigger overall connection. Which is why I'm fine with Gurr taking as much time as it takes to um to finish out you know the series. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. Yeah, take your time, George. Please. <laughs> no, just, but yeah. Uh, well. Um, another thing that I, like I've been searching up on there just when we do some of the, you know, like the Ravens we get, uh, uh-huh. it's, it's a great, so you just go in there and you can type, you know, a character's name or, uh, a situation or a quote and, and yeah, you can pull up all sorts of really cool stuff there. So uh-huh. it's a good tool. Uh, just a search of, uh, a search of ice and fire. We'll do it for uh-huh. you. Yeah. And I kind of want to, I know normally we end the show with Ravens, but I kind of want to, um, bring something up here at the beginning of the show if you don't mind sure Ezra something that's been in the group that I thought was pretty funny kind of a kind of a big thread going on right now is uh people uh Liam Byers brought this up he said so everyone talks about who is the best swordsman and um sword you know woman in Westeros but what at the other end who is the worst um sword user in Westeros he's like I had trained because naturally anybody without training would be kind of garbage hmm. um so you know who who do who do we do we see that's that's like a trained knight or something that kind of generally sucks huh wow and, and there's a lot there's a lot of people talking uh in this group everyone's kind of going back and forth and it's kind of cool um we got Jason Ross saying what about what about Podrick you know yeah um, yeah yep. he's saying Mace Tyrell probably sucks <laughs> he probably um, does I said the butcher's boy, you know, I mean, that guy just really, (laughs) I said, he, I said he trained with Arya and Joffrey, uh, you know, a a little bit. (laughs) That is terrible. That is terrible. Well, hey, Joffrey's terrible too, right? You know, Joffrey, Joffrey is pretty, is pretty terrible. You know, um, it was, um, Tommen, we hear about Tommen actually when he's the beginning of, I want to say clash of Kings, Mm -hmm. um, there, when sir, there, this, there's a there's a little scene where Tommen gets on a horse and rides and does some jousting or whatever, and he does actually pretty good. So yeah, 
Yeah, that's yeah. so. Some a similar things happen. Yeah, somebody, someone, yeah, we have somebody saying Sam is the worst. Um, Lord Adam Parker said Barrick Dendarian, and you know what? I, mean, I think I gotta agree. Are you kidding so, me? Lord Adam Parker as, said that. Yeah, well, I mean, he does. He says nobody else has died six times in combat. Numbers don't lie. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I cannot believe he said that. That is that's hey radical. man, it, there's there's some truth to it. That so, is, that is the gods. That's the gods speaking. You know, that's not is Eric. It? You know, it's trial by combat. This and that. You know, I mean, he is goodness. Yeah, I don't know that. Okay, Lord Adam Parker. We'll talk about this uh, next next week. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do some more research on on Beric Dondarrion, and you know. Eddard Stark chose him, okay? You know? That's true. So That's true. And we're going to talk about that today because Eddard Stark chose him and not the Knight of Flowers. So, so uh, all right. Well, that was kind of some some fun there. Should we head on over, Sir Ezra? Or do we have anything left we need to announce? Uh, let's a- see. I don't think we do. Um, just hit up the group, Raven's Nest. If you could send us uh, some of those big theory uh, ravens, something you want to talk about, we will start the thread uh, tomorrow on well, it'll be the, uh, it'll be today when you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we should have in the Facebook group just some ideas uh, for Ravens Nest or a thread where people can just talk, and we'll pull that thread up during the discussion uh, next Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and um, Mystery Night Patron, so, yes, excuse me, we'll be yeah, we'll be coming out soon. We're recording that at, right after this. So, yep, absolutely. All right. So, all right, let's head on over to the Maester's study. Uh, this week, we are into um, the year of the three brides. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a this is kind of a study of how Jaehaerys gets married, um, some other weddings, and um, really, to me, this chapter is mostly about Rogar Baratheon, um, and you know his his kind of rule as hand. Right. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, it's so the year of the three brides. Um, again, after we we talked about Jaehaerys and his ascension, it kind of goes back and forth here a little bit. You have to understand. It does in time. Yeah, it kind yeah. of there's some. It kind of go. It's kind of telling the story of the brides and kind of going back and forth a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's neat is so they talk about the three queens uh, later at the end of this chapter and even into the, into the next chapter. And technically, mm-hmm. there's a fourth when you get into the next chapter of Fire and Blood. So it's kind of cool. Like, Gurr really starts to expand some of what, um, you know, happened here uh, at, the, at the very beginning of Jaehaerys' uh, rule. And wasn't it, was it you, did we say this last week that, you know, um, or it was, I think it might have actually been Lord uh, Adam Parker who said that Jaehaerys is uh, George George's favorite um, Targaryen king? Does that Oh, yeah, that wasn't me. It must have been him, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if he heard that at uh, the... Uh, book signing or what have you, but it's kind of neat. I mean, he, he did spend a significant amount of time. He left that wide open to write about for a reason, I think, and uh, seems to write pretty favor- favorably about about him. So uh, here as we start. Uh, I was trying to see if the wiki was right. updated here. Uh, have you checked on is, uh, for Fire? On the- Jaehaerys? Yeah. No, 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 no. Because I bet uh, the three queens, so his mother is one of the... Um, the brides his sister mm-hmm. is the other and right well to both of his sisters correct yeah 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 so it's like um you know jaris's mother and his two sisters are kind of your three uh brides just for reference before mm-hmm. we dive in here so yeah so you have you have uh Alyssa 
um, Allison and uh, what's the other ones? The uh, Reina. 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 Yeah. Reina Targaryen. Reina, yeah. Reina, Reina Targaryen. Yeah. Um, so so uh, I'm going to read just kind of kind of a big uh, uh, thing here. So um, the 49th year after Aegon's conquest gave the people of Westeros a welcome respite from the chaos and conflict that had gone before. It would be a year of uh, peace, plenty and marriage remembered in the annals of the seven kingdoms as the year of the three brides. The new year was but a fortnight old when news of the first of the three weddings came out out of the West from far isle by the sunset sea there in a small swift ceremony under the sky. Uh, Rhaenya or Rhaena Targaryen wed Andrew Farman, the second son of the Lord of Fair Isle. It was the groom's first marriage, the bride's third, though twice widowed. Uh, Rhaena, uh, Rhaena was but 26. Uh, her new husband, just 10 and seven was noticeably, notably younger, a, uh, a comely and amiable youth said to be utterly bestowed with his new wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the first of, of the weddings. Um, yeah. And yeah. And uh, something kind of interesting here is that uh, Queen Alyssa uh, was excluded from the wedding. Uh, yeah. Right. Why yeah, was. Chron- yeah. Chronicler. Chroniclers. That's a word for you. Mm-hmm. Chroniclers in King's Landing report that Queen Alyssa was deeply offended by her exclusion from her daughter's wedding uh, and that relations between mother and child were never as warm afterward, whereas Lord Rogar Baratheon was furious that uh, Reyna had dared remarry without the crown's leave, the crown in this instance being himself as the young king's hand. Had uh, leave been asked, however, there was no uh, certainty it would have been granted for Andrew Farman, the second son of a minor lord, was thought by many to be a far uh, from worthy of the hand of a woman who had been twice a queen and remained the mother of the king's heir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Can I mention something real quick about Rogar Baratheon? Yeah. Okay. And we're going to talk a lot about him here because this chapter is really actually about him. Well, he uh, okay. He's a, he right now in this year in forty nine AC. He's a jerk. Okay, was it? Cool, oh, absolutely. Was it cool that he helped Jaehaerys, uh, you know, and Alyssa take back the throne from uh, Megor? Yes, that's awesome. It's cool. Reyna is mm-hmm. actually upset because, uh, as you know, Jaehaerys' older brother Aegon, um, Aenys' first son, was married to right. Reyna. And where was Rogar then? Right. So that's kind of uh-huh. what Jaehaerys gets upset about later on. And so he wasn't there. That's we'll save that for later. But this whole bit about he's upset that she didn't ask for the crown's blessing. Right. You'll find out right. the irony is, is that later on, um, technically, Jaehaerys is king and Rogar mm-hmm. and Alyssa are the regents. But Rogar did not ask Jaehaerys, who is the king, uh, for his mother's hand, you know, in marriage. Right. So, yeah, yeah, he he just yeah, he he just he just he just trying to. And I'm, I'm going to read a little bit about uh, Rogar Baratheon here. Um, blue-eyed and black-haired and muscled like a bull, Lord Rogar was the eldest of five brothers, all grandsons of Oris one hand. You remember Oris mm-hmm. Baratheon, the first Baratheon of Lord Storm's End, um, who was Aegon the Conqueror's bastard brother. Um, after slaying Argilac the Arrogant, last of the Durandan, uh, remember he takes his, yep. his daughter to wife, kind of creates House Baratheon. Um, Logar, this says Lord Rogar could thus claim that the uh, both the blood of the dragon and that of the Storm Kings uh, flowed through his veins. 
Um, no swordsman, his lordship preferred uh, to wield a double-bladed axe in battle. An axe, Tioff said, large and heavy enough to cleave through a dragon's <laughs> skull. So yeah. the interesting thing here, and I think something we're in, in, in Fire and Blood, you do get this kind of you do get more of this kind of Baratheon history as well. Yeah. When we in a world of ice and fire, as we go through um, and s- we we hear a lot about the brides of the Targaryens and oftentimes it's either other Targaryens or um, House Valerian, right? Because they they also have that Valyrian blood. They want to keep it going. But the Baratheons are also kind of one of these houses that continues to kind of marry in, right? Yeah. And so you're creating these other, you know, Baratheons that have that Targaryen lineage. And um, something I've actually started doing, I started doing this about a week ago, is going through and finding what are the houses that continuously kind of marry in um so the the maternal line mm-hmm. right like what are, what are the, what are the, what are these other blood houses that that kind of yeah that are a part continuously, of continuously continue that continuously bring themselves in right like we see the starks actually if you go back the starks kind of marry um a lot with the Aarons. they they you know they kind of go back into the Aarons and the car starks and stuff like that yeah we know the targaryens continuously kind of marry the high towers and mm-hmm. you know the valerians and stuff like that so yep. that is yeah, so that is something interesting that we're actually getting a bit of in Fire and Blood, so we can see what are these other influencers into these into these characters. Because I think that's something as we re- as I as I read through A Song of Ice and Fire, um, as we're reading through through the main series again, um, you know, we think so much of that that main line, right, like the the Stark line, but also there is a difference between somebody like Eddard Stark and say Rob Stark who has that kind of Tully line in him as well and you know the Tullys are a little more kind of brash a little more kind of yeah. um hot-headed right so yeah i think i think that's really interesting we i would love to go almost look at like uh, as you say if the targaryens aren't marrying each other then um who are their who are the male targaryens marrying which which houses are they marrying into and and as you said valerians right. and uh, Baratheons and so on, uh, high towers. So that's kind of right. neat to think about, you know, because they can all kind of claim that blood of the dragon. They've got, uh, you know, um, or their what, what was it? Uh, didn't Robert Baratheon ha- often talk about how? Um, right. Yeah. Remember his? Um, that's you go back to who was it? Duncan. Um, Duncan the or Egg's kids. One of them was supposed to marry a Baratheon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Duncan, right? Duncan was supposed to marry. Um, Oh God! The the, the yeah the, the what was I it? can't remember his name. Lionel yeah. Baratheon. Yep, was supposed to marry Lionel Baratheon's daughter, and he ends up marrying Jenny of Oldstone. So his other, one of his other kids marries a Baratheon, and or and that's how that that's how Robert has that kind of blood claim. But you can go all the way back here. I mean, here is a Baratheon marrying into the Targaryen line. So so you know they've all got to marry over the years around each other and they're going to marry people based upon what houses you know they're in so, mm-hmm. or what houses are near to them so yeah yeah for sure yeah okay so um that first marriage you know reina um targaryen ends up marrying again for the third time and she's kind of had like a tragic you know life really you know absolutely it's yeah. just kind of sad and and the other the other bit here too is that her mother um Alyssa valerian and rogar baratheon 
you know, while they were away, remember they they proclaimed that Jaehaerys was was king, uh, even though because she was queen uh, to Magor there at the end, and uh, she she there's some bitterness I think left over as time goes on during uh, Jaehaerys' rule until you know he makes things right, um, but she was passed over, right? So there's some bitterness there. There's some uh, vying for power, I guess. So right. That kind of sticks with her and and Rogar. I mean, some believe. I mean, again, he's he's a he's a good hand. He's someone who. What's the pair? I'm going to skip down here a couple paragraphs here. The hand was uh, admired for his courage, respected for his strength, feared for his military prowess and skill at arms. The queen regent was loved. So beautiful, so brave, so tragic. Woman said of her, uh, even mm-hmm. such lords as might have balked at a woman ruling over them were willing to accept her as their liege as their liege. Uh, secure in the knowledge that she had Rogar Baratheon standing beside her and the young king uh, less than a year away from his 16th name day. So, right. you know, we're in that Regency time. So he, he it's funny because, like, it's written that, like, he is a um, well-respected uh, leader in the Seven Kingdoms, but, you know, this also, this also was kind of a power grab, maybe, in the eyes of Jaehaerys and Reyna, but... I don't know. Their mother mm-hmm. seems to love him, so whatever. Right, and and the thing you've got to remember is that um, Jaharis, and they talk about this later in this chapter, is that Jaharis only is he's like fifteen at this time, yeah. right? He's so he's 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 got like a year left before he becomes king. So that's why some people I think view it as a power grab because it's like you know you have such a limited time, sure. to get yeah to get to get this going before he becomes before the regency is over. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yep. Um, so the second marriage, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but it's, you know, like the Rogar, Alyssa Valerian. W- were they married beforehand? Or- well, they not, not, not to each other. Yeah, but they were. You, so you have, they were together. Um, well, Alyssa was married to, um, Aenys. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause she's, cause she's Jaehaerys' mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it, it kind of talks about her and this, they kind of rehash, they spend a, quite a bit of time in this in this um, chapter rehashing kind of like what happened with Magor, but kind of like through um, Alyssa's eyes. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. So it says um, that there's some lines here and it talks about her too. It says, you know, the gods blessed her with the deep purple eyes uh, and shining silvery hair of old Valyria gave her charm and wit, um, you know, and then it talks about her and Aenys marriage was actually pretty. Everything was pretty well until Aenys, you know, um, kind of finds himself in a depression in those past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but I like this line here. It says in the years that followed, she saw her be- her husband, her husband's reign crumble and turn to ash as enemies rose up all around him. In 42 AC, he died a broken man and despised. Um, it says the queen scarce had time to grieve for him before his brother seized the throne that rightfully belonged to her eldest son. Um, she saw her son rise up against his uncle and die. Remember, that's Aegon. Yep. Um, right. Um, just an Aegon Targaryen. He doesn't get a number because. Right. Yeah, he didn't actually yeah, take so, the, yeah. the crown. Right. So it was it was Aegon's throne. Right. He should have been. He should have been Aegon the second, but it doesn't yep. happen. That's right. Yep. A short while later, her second son followed him to a funeral pyre tortured to death by Tiana of the Tower. Together with her two youngest children, Alyssa was made a prisoner in all but uh, name of the man who had brought about the death of her sons and was made to bear witness when her eldest daughter was forced into marriage to that same monster. Yeah. Then this line this line here is afterwards, it's like the Game of Thrones takes many a queer turn, however, and Magor himself had fallen in turn in no smart part thanks to the courage of the widowed Queen Alyssa. 
Yeah. And the boldness of Lord Rogar, who had befriended her and taken her in when no one else would. Right. So yep. um, we know, you know, that, you know, this line right here, right? The, the you know, courage with, or, you know, this, the, the Game of Thrones takes many a queer turn and yeah. Magor himself had fallen in turn. We don't still know by 100% how Magor died, but to me, this line... Um, which is new. This is new from mm-hmm. Fire and Blood. This isn't a, th- a throwback in World of Ice and Fire. Yep. Does that give us some shred of proof that Queen Alyssa may have had some something to do with it? His death, because we know his mysterious death. People think yeah. there are people involved. So right, yeah, it absolutely could have. Um, you know, and if there's because I mean the resources that Rogar Baratheon has, you know, he 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 wasn't um, oh. You know, that line that you had mentioned earlier with his axe and the way that he would use it against a right. crush a dragon's skull, you know, uh, he had said and that, that. And that and that line, too, if you go back, sorry, I I'm I'm, yeah. don't mean to cut you off here, you but could. it says, you know, large and heavy enough to cleave through a dragon's skull. It says right after that, it's like there were dra- those were dangerous words during the reign of Megor the Cruel. But if yeah. Rogar Baratheon feared Megor's wrath, he hid it well. Yeah. Yes. So. See. So, yeah, he was. I mean, again, he was outspoken. You know, Reyna is upset because, you know, Rogar didn't step up earlier to help her brother, you know, and he was right. kind of maybe waiting for other to see what was going to happen. And he uh, just I don't think I don't actually don't think he was mili- like in a military position to do it. If you be- look at where um, where he was at. But uh, anyway, so she's she's better right. about that. And then uh, Alyssa, though, gets this refuge from him and then he helps Jaharis take the throne. I think he's a good guy. Um, he is. You know, he, he's uh, considered, an, he's intelligent, good military guy. Um, uh, just a, he, he reminds you of a Baratheon, though. You know, he's got that oh, yeah. bold, you know, boldness to him. Uh, but it, the other bit as to why, you know, Jaharis kind of saw it as a, as a power grab, it's funny because I don't want to make too much about this. They weren't like super, there's not like a bunch of tension uh, right now between them. It's just sort of like this guy stepping in as like stepdad marrying Alyssa Valerian and you know, Jaharis is not happy with it. Well, she's older and she can't bear children. That's one of the things that was new, not new, but we kind of could have inferred that from A World of Ice and Fire. But she can't bear she can't bear children. He was a lot younger and could have had children, but chose not right. to. You know, right? So he could be in this position, which right is what some people point to as a power grab. So right, yeah. So um, anyway, so it goes on, and this is um, we go back to the weddings. So they get their wedding is the next wedding. Yeah. Um, Rogar and Alyssa, and it talks about it being like the biggest wedding in the history of, uh, uh, you know, of, of Westeros. Mm-hmm. You know, what no wedding had so magnificent had been celebrated in Westeros in living memory, and lords great and small from throughout the seven kingdoms and beyond and beyond gathered to be part of it. Donald Hightower came up from Old Town with a hundred knights and seventy-seven of the most devout, escorting his High Holiness, the High Septum, while Slyman Lannister brought three hundred knights from Casterly Rock. Brandon Stark, the ailing lord of Winterfell, made the long journey down from the north with his sons Walton and uh, Alark, mm-hmm. um, attended by a dozen fierce north bannermen and 30 sworn brothers of the Night's Watch. You know, And it just goes on and on. And that's it, kind of cool. That's where we get some more of that kind of world building. Ooh, who, you know, who are these guys? You know, right. To kind of name some of these heirs in, in the in, I, in the family tree. Yeah, I thought it was cool that there were sworn brothers of the Night's Watch, you know. Uh, which yeah. was which was cool attending, which was, <laughs> you know, so it was a big deal. You know, it was people were coming from 
from all over the place. And you know, one thing, another reason why I think that that wedding was so big, this is a when they take over, he Jerry's is actually 14. So really, mm-hmm. you know, they were mounting this offensive against Megor and I remember he had his war council in there before he died, before his mysterious death, and people were urging him to just, yeah. you know, give in. So, um Rogar had already put a lot of pressure on him. And the young dragon riders, being um, Alyssa's children, were ready to go. But and Jaehaerys did land there before you know Rogar's army. But at the same, that they were the that was the reason. I mean, he helps win this uh, crown back for uh, right Jaehaerys. So I, I think he deserves. You know, like it's it's, it's kind of like Jaehaerys gets a little bit bitter because people look past him, and it's more about the regents, you know, and and uh, maybe he's a little mm-hmm. he's fourteen. You know, I don't know, but. It's it's a big it's yeah a big I wedding. mean yeah so yeah so they so they have a big wedding um, and then uh, you know it's really and then um, is this is this the one where there is is kind of the the fight or is that the, is that the next one between kind of the uh, where they then they then they go on about about the king's guard and they talk about yeah. how um, Jaharis's king's guard is like the best king's guard there ever was oh yeah so yeah the the, the formation of the king's guard. Um, right. Yeah, that does kind of um, come up here because because of the third wedding. So we've talked about the first one, Reyna Targaryen, which is whatever. Um, Alyssa and Rogar, big deal. And then the third one is it not Jaehaerys? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, oh, go ahead. Well, and and to do that, so so before you get to his wedding right you have he is surrounded by his he, he the formation of his of his king's guard happens and that's important because they play a really big role in his wedding <laughs> later on so uh, we talk about them first but yeah they're, they're some of the best they go down and I yeah think- I want I, yeah it's like I want the knights protecting my son to be the uh or this is uh, um Said Magor had old men, lickspittles, cravens, and brutes about him. She declared, "This is uh, Alyssa talking. I want the knights protecting my son to be the finest to be found anywhere in Westeros. True, honest men whose loyalty and courage is unquestioned. Let them win their cloaks with deeds of arms, whilst the whilst all the realm looks on." Young yeah. Jaehaerys Jer- was quick to second his mother's notion, but with practical twist of his own. Um, men who would do harm to their king seldom attack um, on horseback with lance in hand. Um, so, and so it was the tilts that followed his mother's wedding yielded pride of, um, uh, and so they want a melee instead. Right. Yeah. Which is they, smart. They, 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 they dub it the war of, for the white cloaks. Yeah. 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 It was pretty neat because the people who come out of it, you know, you've got a lot of different, um, you've got, um, oh, you had, you had knights. I mean, you had, uh, hedge knights, you had a lot of different folks competing in this sworn swords, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're giving up that, uh, and coming to this, you know, trying to win some honor and, uh, it's, it's pretty neat, you know, because it's, it's up for grabs, you know, you get to be mm-hmm. the best of the best and protect the King. Uh, so yeah, they had, they had, uh, that tourney. Um, and does it show, it says the ones that were picked here, doesn't it? So one, let's see, with hundreds of knights eager to compete, uh, compete for the honor of serving in the King's guard, uh, the combats lasted seven full days. Several more mm-hmm. colorful competitors became favorites of the small folk, uh, who cheered them on uh, each time they fought. One was the drunken knight, <laughs> Sir William Stafford, uh, short and stout, mm-hmm. big-bellied man who always appeared intoxicated. 
that it was a wonder that he could stand, let alone fight. So, you know, uh, the small folk are having, having fun cheering on some of these um, folks here. The, the, common, the commons named him um, the Kego Ale. Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. And saying, yeah. hail, hail, Kego Ale. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Uh, another favorite of the commons was uh, Bard of Flea Bottom, uh, Tom the Strummer, who mocked his foes. Um, with, uh, with with song before each bout. Uh, the Slender Mystery Knight, known only as uh, Serpent in Scarlet, also had a great following. So this is one I was reading. I think I read this a couple weeks ago, which I thought was when we first did our overall review of Fire and Blood. This was um, a woman, actually. Right. Uh, John yeah. Quo Dark, right? The bastard daughter of mm-hmm. Lord uh, Duskendale shows up and is the Serpent in Scarlet. So... Yeah, I like I like this guy. The eldest champion was a grizzled hedge knight named Sam Good of Sour Hill, mm-hmm. a scarred and battered man of three and sixty, who's claimed to have fought in a hundred battles and never mind you on what side. That's for yeah. me and the gods to know. <laughs> One-eyed, bald, and almost toothless, the knight called Sour Sam looked as gaunt as a fence post, but in battle he displayed the quickness of a man half his age. And a vicious skill uh, owned through long decades of battles, great and small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes on. Yeah. And, I, I, and I and I like this too. This line right after, Jaehaerys the Conciliator would sit the Iron Throne for fifty-five years, and many a knight would wear a white cloak in his service during that long reign, more than any other monarch could boast. But it was rightly said that never did any Targaryen possess a king's guard who could equal the boy's king, the boy king's first seven. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, does it? Li- doesn't? Where's the list? Doesn't it list them all here? Uh, it should. I thought. Let's see. The small folk of Kings Landing were pleased as well. Yeah, he had a bunch of. Uh, I know there's a list somewhere. We'll come across it. But because that one guy that you mentioned, doesn't he become the Lord Commander? Mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Good so, of yeah. Sour Hill. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see here in a little bit. So after that. Um, Queen Alyssa and Rogar decide, you know, their wedding's over. Now they turn to Jaehaerys, and they start mm-hmm. to look for, like, a good alliance, a good match uh, with another great house, another kingdom, or another, you know, one of the seven kingdoms. Uh, and the one thing that they're going to avoid, that they want to avoid, is him marrying a Targaryen. They don't yeah, want well, that. Yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily happen for them. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all, at all. Uh, and the reason being is that they were nervous. You know, some of the right. um, religious folk were still up in arms about the Targaryens and their uh, uh, marrying brother and sister and and right. uh, all that stuff. So they were really like, okay, we don't want to rehash that. That was Aenys, uh issue there. And then Magor just didn't care and had multiple wives and, you know, married his own kin. So uh, they were trying to move beyond that. But Jaehaerys had other plans. You know, he mm-hmm. loved his sister. And actually loved her. And what's cool about their, what's cool? That's funny. It's funny the things that uh, Game of Thrones makes you say. I know. Uh, <laughs> what's cool about marrying your sister? Yeah. What's is, cool about that uh, is um, is it, that you are, you know you're you're an uncle and a dad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, Sansa in in our chapter today talks about the great love um, that the singers sing about, and one of those is. Um, well, actually, one of those was actually the Dragon Knight, um, you know. But but right. uh, one of the, the it talks about later on in this chapter that this union becomes one of those storied kind of um, 
uh, love stories, I guess, you know? Right. Uh, famous right. love stories, I should say. And because he truly did love his sister, and he ends up running away with her, you know, to Dragonstone. Uh, because mm-hmm. they, they actually put, four, actually, they try to marry her, don't they? They try to marry her right. off. And yeah, Rogar Brathian's trying to, he doesn't, he doesn't want it to happen. So, right. Yeah. So, um, let's see. But yeah, so, so he takes off to King's Landing and, um, decides he's going to marry his sister. There's a maester over there. There's a septon over there. Uh, so he'll be fine. He, he takes his King's Guard with him though. Um, you know, so that's that's sort of the the cool part to this. Uh, to to make a long story short, uh, mm-hmm. while they're there, uh, Rogar. So they actually they, they get married, no problem. They actually are a- able to sneak away. Um, to they tell the king's king's guard to to meet with them there. They I think don't they fly ahead on their dragons. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing you got to remember. Um, Queen Alyssa and Rogar do not have dragons. <laughs> they are not. That's the one thing she actually cautions Rogar when he gets upset about this union is that remember my children, um, her, her remaining children, all are dragon riders, all three of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, got to be a little careful about you know what we what we can and what we decide to do here and and be more political, I guess, or uh, try to manipulate them to do what we want. Uh, so now the the bit here is that he his sister was younger though, wasn't she a year or two younger? And right. so Jaharis is he's a good guy. Um, he love he actually loves his sister and he loves the stories of, you know, Aegon the Conqueror marrying his sister and ruling and and there's no one he trusted more, really. So yeah. um she, they do not consummate the marriage though. So No, um, they don't. And they don't they don't for a, they don't for a while. Yeah, yeah. So he and Alison are, are are married. Yeah, they don't for a while, you're right. You're right. Um they're there for a couple weeks though, aren't they? Like a fortnight or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that's that's what gives um, Rogar Baratheon. He says, you know, he 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 thinks, you know, hey, if if it's, this isn't consummated, we can still it can be undone. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the the best part to this whole chapter, though, is when Rogar and his men show up, you know, and mm-hmm. they actually try to physically separate the two, um, and he'd already given. You know, his Kingsguard are there. They're there to... He tries to order his Kingsguard around. And mm-hmm. that's just... Yeah, the confrontation happen. at the gates of Dragonstone. And so... And the and the cool thing... Yeah, is um, he tries to order his Kingsguard, and he says, um, you know, like... Um, let's uh, let, let's see here. Where, where exactly? He says something about, like, the, the Kings... You know, we have an army, and you're but seven. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and well, uh, then one of the king's guards says back to him, like, "Which one of you wants to die first, Essentially, you know, exactly. Or like, You'll it reminds me. It die. reminds. Yeah, like it reminds me of when Barris and Selmy is, um, mm-hmm. you know, when Joffrey kicks him out of the king's guard, when Joffrey right. and Cersei kind of kick him out, and uh, he kind of steps forward, and, and the old, the rest of the king's guard, you know, minus Jamie, step. Excuse me, step forward, and he's like, "Right now, I could cut through like the half of you like butter." You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, like no problem. Like, yeah. So right, it's pretty, right. it's, 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 yeah, it's kind of like that, but um, then the cool thing about this, so that's, that's is in, essentially it just kind of, you know, what's done is done is kind of um, what ends up happening and nothing really ends up happening, but it is cool at the end of, at the end of the chapter, there is um, like a little, there's an asterisk and it says, or so the confrontation at the gates of Dragonstone was set down by Grand Maester Benefer. Now remember, 
this is that kind of point of view thing is sure. that this whole book is written by um Archmaester Gildane. So yeah. so we so he's he's even kind of saying, you know, we got to take this with a grain of salt here. Uh who was there to witness it? Um from this uh from that day to this the tale has been a favorite of lovesick maidens and their squires throughout the seven kingdoms as many a bard has sung the valor of the king's guard seven men in white cloaks who face down half a hundred. All of these tellings overlook the presence of the castle garrison, however. Um, such records have come down to us to indicate that 20 archers, as many guardsmen, were stationed on Dragonstone at this time under the command of Sir uh, Morel Bullock and his son Alan and Howard, or his sons Alan and Howard, while uh, where their loyalties lie at this time and what part they might have played in this conflict shall never be known, but, it, it, but to suggest the king's seven stood alone may perhaps presume too much. So again, that's just another thing we say it quite often is that you always have to take everything in a world of ice and fire um just i mean the bigger world not specifically that book um kind of with a grain of salt because it's all about point of view yeah absolutely um and i know we've gone a little bit long in this maester study but i want to read one more thing because the sansa chapter oh, no, right is kind of kind of short uh if you get a chance open your your book to like 142 um mm-hmm. and, and just just read this encounter between Rogar and, and 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 the and the Kingsguard. Um, so he, when he's asking, you know, did you claim her maidenhead? You know, the king said no. She's too young. He smiled. He said, "Good, uh, you are not wed." Then he turned to the knights who had accompanied him from King's Landing. Separate these children gently, if you please. Escort the princess to see Dragon Tower and keep her there. His grace shall accompany us back to the Red Keep. But as his men moved forward, the seven knights of Jaehaerys's Kingsguard stepped up and drew their swords. Come no yeah. closer, <laughs> warned Sir Giles Morgan. Uh, any man who lays a hand upon our king and queen shall die today. <laughs> it's just so epic. You're like, what? Uh, Lord Rogar was dismayed. Sheathe your, your steel and move aside, he commanded. Have you forgotten I am the king's hand? Aye, said Sour Sam. Uh, but we're the king's guard, not the hand's guard. Uh, and it's yeah. the lad who sits the chair, not you. It's just so cool, you know? Uh, this is where you said, you know, you are seven. I have half a hundred swords behind me. A word from me, and they will cut you to pieces. Uh, and then it's, uh, is it, is it Pate, uh, the woodcock says, they might kill us, uh, but you will be the first to die, my lord. You have my word upon that. And so he basically tells Rogar, you know, make that order, and you're the first to die. And it's just like, what? <laughs> Oh, well, so it's cool. kind of it's kind of it's kind of the showdown that happens with Joffrey, right? Joffrey and Eddard Stark, you know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, is who do you, who do you, who do you is it the you know who do you trust, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just so cool, you know. Um, and, and they end up. Rogar really doesn't. He's not like the worst. I mean, he just had his own plans, not what he was planning for, and they didn't have the foresight to see that this would be one of the greatest reigns. Ever and that and that right. Queen Queen Alicent is actually one of the best queens the the realm has ever, ever seen. Yeah, I mean, so and ends up giving a lot of good counsel to Jaehaerys. So yeah, but that's pretty much it. They leave in peace. I mean, and and they let it settle, and mm-hmm. and he kind of sits on it and says, in time, he goes back to King's Landing and kind of plots ways in which he can break this this union up. And um, Jaehaerys um, and Alicent just you know they they chill out. You know, they just they hang out in Dragonstone. Until he, yeah, well, we'll see what happens in the next chapter. But uh, yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna hang out there. So, 
And it, it doesn't okay. really tell you what they do until you get to the next chapter, which is kind of cool, because it actually picks up with him still kind of plotting, and you're like, what is he working on over there? And then once you get to that, it's it's pretty neat. So, Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, that is it for our uh, Maester study. Let's head on over to the reread. Last week, we were uh, in Eddard 11 uh, as Hand of the King. Ned had heard a petition from some House Tully bannermen concerning raiding on their holdfast by... Gregor Clegane the Mountain. He strips Clegane of all lands, titles, and his life um, and sends a force under Lord Beric Dundarian to dispense the king's justice. This week we're in uh, Sansa 3. Sansa wonders with Jane Poole why her father did not send the gallant Sir Loras to kill the monster Sir Gregor. The next day her father revealed that he is sending her and Arya back to Winterfell. Um... Sansa insists that she cannot leave because she is to marry Prince Joffrey, who is nothing like his father and will give her children with golden hair. Uh, this is an epiphany to her father. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a big uh, deal. This is kind of like a big, big, big turning point in, in the series. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's the quote out of uh, out of the mouth out of the mouths of babes or something is what he says, right. you know, mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. response to what Sansa says there. So. Yeah, uh, it, it starts off with them discussing, you know, the situation in last chapter because Sansa was at court and saw mm -hmm. what her father had to go through. And uh, he does not send Sir Loras, as we discussed, uh, to right. hunt down the mountain. And she's, it's you know, that's like her favorite. You know, when <laughs> it's kind of cool that the ladies are in there and they, they're looking at, you know, some of these uh, warriors and knights because uh, Jane Poole is super into Beric Dondarrion, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but she, he was too old, according to Sansa, he's 22. And right. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So Jane pulls into, uh, Beric Dondarrion. He's betrothed, isn't he? Uh, or is he married? I, think I don't betrothed. think so. I think, he, I think he's betrothed to somebody in House Dane. But I don't know if he's actually if the, if she ended up marrying because that's how he oh gets... that's right I think I think he is yeah I think you're right he is um, but we don't know who right right and it's like because uh, that's how he gets um, Ned uh, Ned Dane you know his squire right. you know there which is kind of neat so it, they just think he's you know cute Sir Loras is dashing good looking guy and uh, why not send him that's what the stories would say is you'd send the best looking knight in the room to face the the dragon or the bad guy right and that's right in reality. Right. That guy's, he's good looking for a reason, okay? Right. He hasn't been in too many Yeah, scuffles. and Sansa, right, so Sansa's talking with Jane Poole, and she's kind of explaining it, and she says, um, Sansa thinks that it's it's his leg, her dad's leg, that's causing him to to think differently, mm -hmm. or, you know, weird, or, like, something's going on. Um, you know, yep. uh, she's like, she uh, she says his leg, Jane says uncertainly, she was a pretty dark-haired girl of Sansa's age. Did Sir Loras hurt his leg? Not his leg, Sansa said. Um, father's leg, silly. It hurts him ever so much. It makes him cross. Otherwise, I'm certain he would have sent Sir Loras. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what's interesting about the description of, not, I always do this, and I'm sorry, I derail things, but the description of Jane Poole, uh, I've always found that was, did it just describe her as a dark-haired girl? Did, that, did it just say mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And it just dawned on me. I honestly had, was not planning on bringing this up. But it, So Arya has dark hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that why? Let me look here. Isn't she? Um, she is. Yes, she is. Yeah, with Roose Bolton and, and what have you. And she's, mm -hmm. not, uh, she's, the, she's the air quote Arya Stark. Yeah. Okay. 
Sorry, I just was I was looking at I've been no, paying no, no. way more attention to like the description of characters. You know what I mean? Well, hey, hey, you have that's to. That's good, man. Yeah, you got to. So now, if you could just start paying attention more to who kills Woo! who, we'd be we <laughs> who is plotting against who for crying out loud? <laughs> Goodness. All right. Um. Let's see. So yeah. So so they continue their argument, and uh, Arya walks in. You know, she wasn't there right. at the um at the at court, and and wants to kind of know. Get, gets kind of you know caught up on things. They argue a bit more. Jane Poole says that uh, Ilan Payne should have been sent, you know, because he's the king's justice. And right, um, right. They talk about what a monster he is, all that good stuff. So, yes, yes. Sir Ilan is the king's justice, not Sir Loras. Jane said Lord Eddard should have sent her. Sansa shuddered every time she looked at Sir Ilan Payne. She shivered. He made her feel as though uh, something dread was slithering over her naked skin. Sir Ilan's almost like a second monster. I'm glad Father didn't pick him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just so crazy. She just—it's just the the cool thing about Sansa is just her evolution as a character and learning, you mm-hmm. know, that everything like the songs are lies. You know, they, right. they they don't tell the the full truth. They're they're exaggerated and they're they've changed and uh, so kind of interesting actually that's told to her uh by septim ordain just that you know life is not kind of like a song so uh okay they talk about beric dendarian uh and as as i had said there now this is kind of a neat part about the white heart um and mm-hmm. them going out on the, the dream hunt. the dream like the dream yeah. she has yeah yeah she has a dream that he would be the one to take the white heart it had been more of a wish actually it sounded better to call it a dream everyone knows that dreams were prophetic Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So she's lying. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. White hearts were supposed to be very rare and magical, and in in her heart, she knew that her gallant prince was worthier than his drunken father. Um, a dream truly did uh, Prince Joffrey go up and touch it with his bare hand, or did he do it? No harm. No, she said he shot it with a golden arrow and brought it back for me. In the songs, the knights never killed magical beasts; they just went up to them and touched them and did them no harm. But she knew Joffrey liked hunting, especially the killing part. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's kind of interesting, though, just about what, you know, like, like is that narration or is that, I mean, more of her thoughts? Uh, it just It's just a statement. In songs, the knights never killed magical beasts. They uh, went up to them and touched them and did them no harm. Then now mm-hmm. uh, it continues on, but she knew Joffrey liked hunting. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a difference between like it's the, her decision to make it seem like a dream. It's 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 her. Uh, what is it? The theme there is the idea is she's forcing this. You know, she's she's forcing this idea for almost forcing herself to believe um, that that her Joffrey fits into those stories. You know, and, and she's right. And her father, you know, can see that he doesn't. He's not the good guy. You know that you want him to be. So. Well, the interesting thing is that's kind of Joffrey's like total character, right? Is that like is Cersei tells him in the show, right? This is this is this is a scene a scene in the show where Cersei kind of tells her um, or tells Joffrey, you know, like, no, you slayed the great beast, right? In that in in that scene where she's wrapping his wounds, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, kind of like Sir at the Battle of Blackwater, it's like, oh, Sir Joffrey saved us at the Battle of Blackwater, even though he kind of ran off and didn't actually do anything. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now enters Arya. Um, now that we've kind of got over that uh, 
uh, right. the dream, and uh, you know, she, she's relaying some of the um, more of the information about uh, one thing we didn't get was that one of the the Night's Watch members um, had showed up and was was begging, asking for um, men to go to uh, the watch up to the wall, and it just was again something that didn't meet her expectations. She thought they all would look like Uncle Benjamin. They would all be, mm-hmm. you know, these. Um, I don't know, straight back to stern, good looking right. guys, and this guy's not. Right. And it's, right. And it's, yeah, instead, like, instead, the Night's Watch really is like, you know, toothless guys, balding, you know, old men who, you know, who are kind of, you know. Yeah, former criminals, they, some of them. Rug- yeah, they're criminals. They're, they're rugged, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. Well, and what's interesting, too, is that, you know, Eddard kind of asked for are there any knights here that would uh, do their house a great honor? And and would join the Night's Watch, you know, and none of them do. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like it's lost that uh, that once used to be a great call. You know, I, I almost wonder, too, if the Night's Watch ever was like fully garrisoned and they it was something where, you know, it was an honor to get in. Yeah. I mean, we I mean, every t- it seems like when we read about the histories of them, that's the case. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like when you hear, you know, I mean, Blood Raven, you know, went up there and took, um, you know. Yeah, all these men with him, and and you know, Megor, uh, Megor the Cruels, um, Kingsguard had to go up there. So right, right. It just makes me think that even even before that, you know, like just I'm wondering because they've been around before Aegon's conquest. Like, was there a time where it was a great honor that they were uh, this renowned? Oh, I got you. Around, you know, I'm like sure it probably. Order. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it probably was at some point. It's just time. cool to think about. Like that. That's mm-hmm. how I would love to for it to be. Um, and maybe that's how the North kind of views it, but now it's mocked more in the South, you know, and uh, it doesn't serve a purpose, and it's kind of a joke. Well, it used to be this super uh, awesome right. order that defended the realm, and so. Yeah, I think I think the North still still kind of views that. You know, I mean, Jorah Mormont goes and, or Gior Mormont goes and joins, and even when, when John kind of goes, he's like, you know, there's great honor in joining the Night's Watch, and Ned tells him the same thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the South clear the South clearly thinks it's a joke. So, yeah, yep. Let's see. Um, so, yeah. So where's the bit where Arya uh, throws the blood orange? Yeah, there it is. Okay, so uh, it's towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's sort of this fight kind of happens when Arya just doesn't believe some of the stuff that um, that Sansa was saying. They get into their. They've been fighting for a long time, and I think the the blood's just always boiling when they walk in to the same room um she accuses him of or her of uh lying about something i'm missing where that's at um the tower of the hand seemed so empty after they left that sansa was even pleased to see aria when she went down uh to breakfast so they talk about the men um remember uh eddard sent like 20 of his own household guard you know to go with Beric. they talk about his standard being out front um the, the lightning standard uh, was out front, and so there's this big kind of procession as they as they leave. Uh, so it's the next day uh, when she heads down to breakfast that she comes across um, her sister there. And um, so where is everyone? Her sister wanted to know as she ripped the skin from the blood orange. Did father send them down to hunt to hunt down Jamie Lannister? So she has no idea what's going on. Uh, so right. it's aside. Uh, they rode with Lord Beric to behead Sir Gregor uh, Clegane. Uh, she turned to Septa Mordain, who was eating porridge with a wooden spoon. Uh, Septa, will Lord Beric spike Sir Gregor's head on his own gate, or bring it back here for the king? 
and that she gets scolded for that because it's not something you know uh, these young right. girls should be talking about. Uh, Arya brings back up uh, Micah, you know, and and the Hound, the relationship between the Mountain mm-hmm. and the Hound, and that it was, you know, they both kind of they're murderers. They're they're just kind of lumps them together, you know, uh, as as being bad people. She's told about the slaughter that took place, and uh, yeah. So let's see. Oh, here we go. So and then, so she's saying it's kind of the same, and uh, you know that the hound and the mountain are the same. And Sansa says it's not the same. The hound is Joffrey's sworn shield. Your butcher's boy attacked the prince, and that's when Arya says liar, tosses mm-hmm. that orange, hits her in the face, and you know there's there's your big fight. It ruins the ivory dress, right. you know that uh, Queen right. Cersei gave her. <laughs> Poor thing. Right, and then you know, and then Arya, then yeah. Then Stark's like enough. Um, Arya, you know, Sansa's like it's ruined. Um, Arya says, you know, maybe I could wash it. He says, then I'll make you a new one. Um, she says, you couldn't sew. You couldn't sew a dress to fit, uh, fit to clean the pigsties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this uh, back and forth goes on, and this is this is where we talk about the 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 big the big moment, which is he really is not here to scold them about throwing the blood orange. They've been arguing about the whole situation um you know why lady had to die Sansa's upset about that she does kind of lie or doesn't speak up and then even here though right you know she actually does kind of lie um in that it was mm-hmm. Micah attacking Joffrey so that is a lie uh right and so that angers Arya um Eddard doesn't care <laughs> you know things are there's a lot of stuff going on uh, a bunch of his men were just killed and then the king takes off to go hunt you know, and so he's like, we're not safe. I mean, he's not taking this very serious. Uh, his leg is broken. You know, his household household guard is diminished. Um, yeah, yeah. Every everything is bad. Everything, everything is, is bad. bad. So yeah, yeah. yeah so he, yeah, so he's 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 done. He's saying it's time. You know, kind of time for us. He wants he wants to send them back. Um, yeah. You know, Sansa's too. Sansa finds herself too stunned for words. Um, she says, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't want to go back. She loves King's Landing. Um, you know, uh, you know, and neither Sansa or Arya wants to go. And I like that line. He says, at least we found something you agree on. Yeah. Um, right. They both don't right. believe. Well, and what's crazy, it's, it's, uh, you see why Sansa does what she does later is because Arya gets the reassurance that Sirio can go with her, uh, to King's mm-hmm. Landing and keep, do you know, keep on with her lessons. Sansa does there's nothing he can do to really uh, right to fill, fix it yeah to fix what she's going through you know so well i mean she could i mean theor- i mean theoretically it's like you're still betrothed to the guy like you you could still marry him in a couple years right yeah and I mean, even yeah exactly he could have um and he starts to kind of like talk her out of it one this is the line i was talking about in um fire and blood though where he says um you know the boy is no prince Amon. Uh, you must believe me. So he's no, he doesn't belong in those stories. And Sansa says he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want someone brave and gentle. I want him. Um, we'll be ever so happy, just like in the songs. You'll see. I'll give him a son with golden hair. And one day, uh, he'll be the king of all the realm. The greatest king that ever was. As brave as the wolf and as proud as the lion. Um, you know, and so before there, oh, okay, it's actually before that, she starts talking about, you know, I love him. I truly do. I love him uh, as much as Queen Nerys loved Prince Aemon, the Dragon Knight. Um, right. You know, so that was kind of a cool connection uh, back to World of Ice and Fire uh, in, in Fire and Blood. You know, some of the histories there. Right. 
So, right. yeah, and it starts to dawn on him, though, doesn't it, with the golden hair reference, you know, and that he is nothing like his father, right? Right, yeah, and then this is where, you know, he... He kind of, this is uh, where he goes, and after, I mean, later he'll go kind of check out the book and kind of realize, uh, you know, this something's not right here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's basically, you know, um, the gist of the chapter there. I mean, it's that big revelation. She's like, he's nothing like that old drunk king, you know, and uh, right hair color. He's not eye color. He's not. No, yeah, there is absolutely nothing. And then it's like, well, yeah, there there is no relation, actually. Uh, between mm-hmm. the two, so uh, it's wild, and that's sort of the yeah. out of the mouth of children, you know, comes this uh, revelation, and and he sends them both out, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. So, so, he, so here's a, here's a question for you, sir Ezra, just because sure. it's fun. Let's let's play what if since we're, since we're kind of done with the chapter here. Yeah. So, what if Eddard Stark had sent Arya and Sansa back to the North? Hmm. How would things how would things have played out? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I still think Ned. I still think Ned gets. Yeah. Ned dies. Like I Me still too. think that goes. Yep. That goes the same. But because then, I mean, he's still going to confront Cersei. Uh, he'll do that yeah, without still, any guards. Right, but then so you'd have Sansa and Arya, um. And I and I think then he has no reason to lie about it, right? Uh-huh. Like you know, like he he when he died, he lies about it so to save, um. You know Sansa and, and Arya, but if Sansa and Arya are back in the north, maybe Rob, Rob would still kind of ride south, right? Because his his father is held hostage, but then they don't have to worry about Sansa and Arya. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and that. So then he then so then he could easily just join up with Stannis or Renly, and I think the Lannisters would be totally screwed then. Yeah, and if they end up getting Jaime Lannister, then they don't have to do a prisoner swap you know there's not like we have right. your brother you have our sisters you know what i mean right um, right that becomes a, a a big deal so yeah it's almost too bad that uh what what takes place in the next couple chapters but hey we wouldn't have the great story that we have you know but yeah i think oh exactly it's just it's just fun it's just always fun oh, to look at those yeah. those kind of what if what if scenarios when you when you look at kind of when you're going back and and, and look at stuff so yeah Oh, man. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, it was kind of a, again, as we said, like a short little chapter, uh, a good revelation there for Eddard Stark. And um, the Stark, you know, sisters are upset, but what are you going to do? Things start to kind of really uh, pick up from here on, you know. So mm-hmm. we'll need to pay close attention to the next uh, several chapters as we, we're getting close. So Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, and head on over to send a raven. Do we have a, a raven here, Sir Ezra? Yeah, we do. Yep. Uh, we've got the uh, Ghost of Harrenhal. Uh, send us a raven here that we want to kind of uh, talk about. It fit in with the chapter today. Um, mm-hmm. So, Allison, the good, the good queen, uh, Targaryen, <laughs> the good queen Targaryen, didn't have classic dragon features, but instead took after her non-Valerian uh, mother, um, Alara uh, Macy, she was a fine archer and hunter and flew her dragon Silverwing to distant parts of the realm. Um, let's see. Alisan was oft described as pretty but seldom as beautiful, though she was bore, born of a house uh, renowned for beauty. Her eyes were blue rather than purple. Her hair uh, a mass of honey-colored curls. No man ever questioned her wits. Um, and so that is on uh, page 131, the year of the three bri- the year of the three brides. 
Uh, Allison reminds me of Val so much that uh, even her, that even many generations later, about 160 years, uh, those classic traits have stayed with those of Targaryen descent. I think Val is half Targaryen, um, half maybe Ashara Dane or Dane. Uh, she became she became with child soon after the tourney, and we know from uh, Barristan Selmy it was a girl. Okay, so talking about Ashara Dane. Rhaegar was obsessed with the dragon having three heads. Why wouldn't he uh, go for a purple-eyed Ashara? Uh, who else could be Val's mother? The similarities between Alysanne and Val are parallel. Um, even... Even their no-nonsense, almost uh, intimidating dispositions, high intelligence, and diplomacy. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Thoughts, Sir Matt? Yeah, definitely some similarities. Um, yeah, and, you know, we've talked a lot about Val um, and and whether or not she is a Targaryen. She definitely, there is definitely, there's something about Val I, I we still don't know. Um, I definitely believe that she is not just a wildling. Um, she seems... I don't know, I, without sounding like mean, like too smart to be a wildling mm -hmm. um, and, and to kind of oh, in a way she's not really proper, but I don't know. She she just she seems to understand where she's at and kind of she she has kind of more of a political savvy uh, that I feel like most other wildlings would have. Yeah, because um, because like we know Mance Raider has that, but, we, you know, Mance Raider was at least a member of the Night's Watch for a long period of time. So so that would kind of make sense as to why he would have that. So and Val's kind of the same way. So I I feel like I feel like there's there's def, there's still there's still something to that Val um, thing. I would love it if she was half Targaryen. I think it would be cool. It would open up a lot of doors um, in, in the future. Yeah. Right. So, right. So, your thoughts, Sir Ezra? Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, well, I, I definitely have always kind of thought that you know Val is uh, some a, a mystery. Uh, definitely not who we think she is, and uh, somebody from. I don't know. It even could be that maybe she was raised in the South, brought north, or she was always north or brought there as an infant. I kind of believe that maybe uh, whoever she belongs to, that the, that they lived north of the Wall for a while. They may have been um, mm -hmm. some ancient, you know, tied to the, the, the Targaryens in another way, um, or back in the day, and, and they live there, and then she's just been born, you know, north of the Wall uh, to parents who were descended from maybe uh targaryens or half targaryen or something right you know? so i don't know you know uh, i'd have to pull up more of her description uh to kind of kind of look at that and it's it is neat you know here just to see the influences um that alison has from Alyssa, you know from her mother and how as we were talking about just who marries into the targaryen line and what character traits they bring in when the targaryens don't marry each other you know um, you, right. Well, so Val is described as being a beautiful young woman with blonde hair, the color of dark honey. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to me, she doesn't have that like white platinum blonde tar Targaryen hair. And you would think that, you know, sometimes it's described as people's their eyes. So young Griff um, shaves his head so that, you know, that they say, like, talk about how his, how his eyes are. Or, you know, no, he doesn't shave his head. He dyes his hair blue, which kind of. 
causes you to look at his eyes differently. You would sure. think that Val, who if she had blonde hair, it would look it would look closer to platinum if she was Targaryen, especially given the region she's in, which is you know snow white areas. So, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah right. The, the, there's this. Uh, so the connection that the ghost is making, right, is back to this. Her hair is a mass of, uh, of honey-colored curls, you know, and right. her eyes were were blue. Um, but we know she's a Targaryen, and she's getting some of that from her mother. It's the same sort of thing we were doing when, um, the Dornish influence is the Targaryen line, you know, and you have Baylor mm-hmm. Breakspear, and you have um, the baby uh, Rhaenys Targaryen, and they look Dornish. You know, so so there's that. You you, you could have so sometimes those. Um, we don't have all the characteristic traits to say it's a true Targaryen. It it could be someone who uh, is related in some way. So right. yeah, that one's still a mystery. I think we're gonna get some a lot more information on that. Uh, like the other in parallel. Wins. Yeah, it definitely. The other parallel too is just the um, the wisdom that Alison had and her, you know, being a fine archer and a hunter. Um, a dragon rider, you know, so fearless and things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely some connections and some parallels, uh, some similarities. The, the one that I think is different, though, is that Val is just to be... Um, Val is, like, gorgeous, right? Whereas right. Alisan is, is sort of a... Uh, she's she's beautiful, but not um, described as... Well, she's pretty, but what does it say? Pretty, but seldom uh, described as beautiful. So... right. You know, I don't know, but still, there's... right? And I and and Val, you know, Val also is a beautiful girl in the north, like the the wildling north. Mm-hmm. So maybe she isn't as beautiful as everyone says, but it's just because of you know, you're talking about the Night's Watch who never see women. So <laughs> yeah, right. You know I, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, does it does hey, it change their yeah? Does it change their perce- again? It's all about it's all about perception. Right. So does it change does it change their their kind of, you know, their perception of her? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That could be. That could be. So that's neat. We'll we'll continue to speculate more about uh, Val. Maybe we'll make her one of our topics for uh, Raven's Nest and, and pull some more quotes and just uh, field some some other thoughts from uh, our patrons and see what they think. You know, so this is neat. The ghost does see a parallel. And, uh, and, and definitely we've. You know, just there's more. As you got more from Fire and Blood, you have to find these characters and try to make connections and see what maybe you know. Oh, could, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, might be yeah, trying find, to show us. Yeah. Yeah, we finally. Yeah, we finally have some new information, so it's it's good. Now we're seeing all these connections and you know stuff like that. All the uh, analyze, analyze everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So. Well. Yeah, I think that was our raven for this week. Uh, we've got again. We're we're stockpiling them. If you haven't uh, sent us one, you you definitely should get that in. Um, you know, here today or tomorrow, and, and we'll try to prep. That'll help us uh, get ready for uh, Raven's Nest next week. So, yep. So, all right. Well, uh, that is our show for this week. Uh, it's time to say farewell. We want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Forty Five, Edard Twelve. Yeah. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a Raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.